It's the Couple Mets Podcast, Episode 6, Season 2. Ian Bosniak joined alongside by Robert Venegas. As always, Robbie, how we doing, man? So being surviving. Um, you know, long, long three weeks with me, just a lot of coaching and a lot of work. But, but you know, again, good to be back and you know, all settled in. So yeah, we're you're, here. St- you're we're still here. sound you're still sounding a little a little hoarse over there. <laughs> I sound like Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, game four yesterday. Oh boy, yeah, no. For the Nick fans, we don't have to get into that. Hopefully, they can make a nice comeback. Uh, but yeah, so this is a, the the uh, couple of Mets podcast. And uh, before we get going, just remember to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We are at Couple of Mets again. That is at Couple of Mets. And also hit that follow button, subscribe button, whatever it is on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcast content. So. The New York Mets uh, entering today, May 9th, a um, little bit of a different situation since we've last spoken. Um, you know, I was the one who, uh, as as Rob mentioned, or Rob mentioned, uh, he was a little under the weather last week, um, wasn't able to, uh, wasn't able to record, uh, but the Mets were kind of going in a weird direction, um, you know, after after starting the season off quite well. Um, and since then, now the Mets team underneath 500. Um, they've lost 11 of their last 14 games. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of pitfalling them right now. Um, a lot of their starting pitching, a lot of their bullpen, um, their offense, the runners in scoring position, the whole nine. Um, Rob, what are you seeing from the guys right now? Obviously, they're on, they're in quite of a rut and they're, you know, losing to sub 500 teams and now they are a sub 500 team but what are you seeing from them right now um you know it's kind of really rough to watch right now no yeah i mean pretty much pretty much what you said they're not scoring with runners in scoring position uh they're not cashing in they're not making starting pitchers work on the other side um again and even our starting pitching failing to go five, five innings a start or a game um, bullpen is taxed. Honestly, the only arm I trust right now is David Robertson. But other than that, it's uh, it's concerning. I mean, maybe the starting pitching, maybe age is playing a factor. Um, guys like Vogelbach, Kana, Escobar even. I know Escobar's role is now limited. Tomas Nito, they're just not hitting. Um, you know, and even our big boppers, Marte struggling. Lindor striking out a ton. Um, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. So it is concerning. Although we're only a game under 500, we're in May. Not really any bright spots to really, you know, besides Robertson to kind of like boast about. But again, you know, it is it is a, a little alarming considering the fact that the Braves are already seven or eight games ahead of us and the Marlins are no joke. And, you know, again, you still got the Phillies who just got Bryce Harper back. So absolutely, you know, it is it is a little alarming. And I'm not going to hit the panic button yet, but again, we're in May and a lot of questionable calls in terms of management and, and, you know, we'll see, we'll just see how it pans out the rest of the rest of May. You can literally respond to this answer with one number. Uh, you just mentioned the word panic. Where are you on the panic meter? Five. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm at, I'm at I'll like, go halfway. I'm at like a three and a half, four. Um, yeah. But yeah, but before we get into the actual specifics of exactly what's going on with the starting pitching, with the pen, with the offense, a few things to note here um, as we get going. First and foremost, this morning, uh, the New York Mets signed uh, Gary Sanchez to a minor league contract. He, former Yankee, uh, all-star catcher, he will report to uh, Syracuse. Um, could potentially, you know, be be a potential option, as Rob said. Tomas Nito not hitting whatsoever. Um, you know, I'll ask you about the impact of what you think it brings, but I just wanted to mention, despite a 205 batting average last year, getting on base at a 282 clip with the Minnesota Twins, uh, he did hit 16 home runs, with, drove in 61 runs, and his uh, average exit velocity was in the 78th percentile. His hard his hard hit percentage was in the 92nd percentile. His barrel percentage was in the 90 percentile. So, yes, he strikes out a ton. Yes, he does swing and miss a ton, but he can still hit the ball a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts? No, definitely. I mean, Gary Sanchez has always been known to hit for power. Um, again, you know, he did have like a little bit of an ugly ending out in the Bronx, but but who knows? Maybe this, maybe this uh, crosstown New York signing. Um, can kind of motivate him to want to do better. He know he knows how to play in New York. Again, 15 plus home runs last year, coming off a 
after coming off a shitty year with the Yankees, um, especially in a ballpark like Minnesota. That's that's nice to see. And again, you know, I think I think offensively the Mets are just not getting anything from the catching position once again. You know, James McCann, we traded him this offseason. The last few seasons he wasn't hitting either. So maybe Gary Sanchez gives like Tomas Nito a little bit of a fire under his ass or or you know, maybe say. we make maybe we make the switch and it's Sanchez and Alvarez and I have no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's that's what I was gonna say. And you know, the tricky thing is we know now is that, you know, obviously he has been abysmal and we'll get into that. But um, you know, the Mets did buy out his last year of arbitration, which would be next season. Um, I, I think it was at like what one one five eight, um, you know, over two years or something along those lines. Well, for for two mm-hmm. seasons, like three something. Yep. Obviously one, you know, one million plus dollars would be an easier drop, right? Um, but you know, Nito is a beloved figure. Maybe he would accept a, a little demotion of the minors. I really don't know. Um, but even some of some of his framing abilities have kind of gone down the tubes. Obviously, Sanchez is not known for his defensive skills whatsoever. So that would be a concern, especially pairing him with a rookie in Francisco Alvarez, who has looked great behind the dish. But that is something to keep in mind. Um, additionally, on the you know signing trend, he did sign a uh, right-handed relief pitcher uh, and former Giant. Indian Cardinal Blue Jay uh, and you know, a few other teams, a journeyman, Dominic, Le- yeah, Diamondback, yeah, Dominic <laughs> Leone, uh, to a uh, to a, to a major league contract. Uh, thus far, he's uh, thrown in three games, struck out three. Um, he's got a six ERA, but with that said, his FIP's a little bit lower. So, um, you know, he has provided some decent decent relief, I, I, I suppose. The Mets also did. Uh, option John Curtis to the minors. Uh, Jose Buto got sent back down to the minors. Um, Zach Muckenham got sent back down to the minors. David Peterson, Denny Reyes. Um, so there were a lot of transactions there. Uh, Steven Nagosik was activated from the IL, much did for the bullpen, considering, as Rob mentioned, the starters are going nowhere in the games. Uh, Tim LaCastro also begins a rehab assignment. Um, not really sure. Do you, do you Do you see any role for him whatsoever? I love Tim Castro. He's a, he's a, you know, again, New York guy, but I don't see a role on him, especially just like a one dimensional type role. Um, I mean, again, we're struggling to get guys on base, so I can't really see him fitting in, in terms of like a pinch runner slash steal a base kind of role. Um, even, yeah. even when he was up in the majors, he didn't really hit, um, I think in five, in five games, but overall I don't see a fit with this team for Tim Castro. I'd, I'd rather stack him in the minors and, Again, if if we keep going down with injuries offensively, just like we are with the pitching staff, then then yeah, he'll he'll be good. Called, he'll get called up, but I'm good with what we have right now. I think yeah. that given how the Mets are stealing bases currently, you know, Nimmo, yeah. Lindor, uh, Starling Marte, they're all running right. So uh, even a guy like Tommy Pham. So um, the need for that guy, especially when we're not hitting and we're not slugging, the need for a one-dimensional guy is uh, I don't see a fit whatsoever. Last but not least. The final quick note here, Carlos Carrasco uh, has a rehab assignment set for tonight in Binghamton. Um, You know, Rob, what are your thoughts on a potential Carlos Carrasco impact? Obviously, he wasn't great in three starts, um, but given where the rotation is now, I I think it's a uh, a welcome sight to see. Definitely, definitely. I mean, again, I love Cookie Carrasco. Again, you mentioned it. Three first three starts weren't pretty, but again, having that veteran presence in the in the rotation. Um, a guy that pitched for us last year and pitched well or pitched good. Um, it could maybe help us a little bit and get the rotation going. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just something that I want to see from Carrasco, you know, if he does come back, I just want to see him, you know, not walk batters because that was a concern uh, through those three games because he does not walk a ton of batters. He's got good command. And he also gets a ton of uh, batters normally to chase. He doesn't strike out a ton, a ton, a ton of hitters, right? But he does get hitters to chase. And um, he was getting nobody to chase. He was in the 13th percentile uh, through three starts. So, um, you know, but again, having Cresco come back, given the state of our current rotation is something that um, is definitely needed at this point. Moving into the starting pitching, the starting pitching has been abysmal, absolutely abysmal. I'll just give you it straight. The starters are averaging 4.9 innings per start, which is 27th in the major leagues. Their ERA is 534, which is 24th. Their whip is 151, which is 27th. 260 opposing batting average, which is 19th. They're striking out 8.1 batters per nine innings. That's 20th. And they have given up 36 home runs, which is 28th in the league. So they've they're the second worst uh, when it yeah, comes yeah. to giving up giving up the long ball. So 
Um, you know, obviously there's been a ton that's gone on. Uh, first and foremost, though, Justin Verlander made his Mets debut finally in his old uh, ballpark in Detroit. Uh, went five innings, struck out five. Um, did give up back-to-back home runs in the first. It kind of looked like, oh boy, here we go, considering all the woes. But um, he ended up really settling in there, only walking batter, um, and really looked good. Um, you know, I, I saw a really, really nice fastball. Um, he was able to you know, get up there to, I saw, you know, topping out of like 96, 97, he was able to, you know, raise it to the top of the zone and, um, you know, really kind of locate that as well as his off-speed pitches, you know, his curveball looked good as well. Um, but uh, overall, I, I think it was a good first step. Obviously he did take the loss because the Mets didn't score. And apparently Rob, <laughs> um, apparently over in Houston, uh, the Astros did not score for him. Um, or in Detroit, he responded to a tweet of mine because I said, oh, Verlander is getting the DeGrom treatment today from the Mets offense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, somebody said, oh, get used to it. That's something. So hopefully that's not a trend there. <laughs> but uh, Verlander back. He's set to start tomorrow night uh, in Cincinnati. Really, really great to see. What what do you see from uh, JV? Well, again, you know, you said it best. His fastball velocity was there aside from that one inning where he gave up back-to-back home runs. Off speed, change up, curveball, filthy. Um, I would have liked to see him go six, but at the end of the day, just to see him out there, um, maybe get him going a little bit is going to help our rotation bolster it a little bit. Um, again, five innings, five hits, two earned runs, only one walk, five Ks. I'll take it for a day for you know a first start uh, with the Mets. I'll take that. But again, the thing with the thing with those stats that you said before, my biggest concern personally, not to jump the gun here, but you know, four point nine. 4.9 innings pitch per start. It's not even quality. It's not even quality start material. Uh, you know, so you'd like to see Verlander go at least five, six, same with Scherzer, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, primarily, uh, primarily in his start uh, in Detroit, he went to that four seam fastball and that slider um, yeah. and then kind of dabble with the curveball. ball uh, only through eight curve balls. But, um, you know, I, I agree. You know, that that's the biggest concern to me. I almost think that the Mets should go out and look at any available starting pitcher that is even qualified to give them five innings. Like, no joke, that that's literally where they're at right now. Averaging 4.9, you're taxing your pen. Um, you know, you're setting everything up for, for kind of failure. Um, and it puts all the onus on the offense, which is inconsistent in and of themselves. I agree there. Um, you know, Verlander to me... Um, extremely important it's really important for me to see how he does tomorrow night um in cincinnati coming off um you know that debut um so hopefully nothing but the best from from jv and you know again as you said if we can get six potentially seven innings considering he only threw only threw um you know 80 some odd pitches um in his return um you know i definitely think it's possible that we can see him head into the sixth and seventh and give us a little bit of length um from one ace to another, uh, we, we head over to Max Scherzer, who uh, returned from his 10-game suspension, started in Detroit, um, did not fare well against one of the worst offenses in baseball in the Tigers, uh, went three and a third, gave up eight hits, six earned runs, walked one, only struck out three. Um, fastball velocity was sitting... 92 93 there were more more people you know focused on his velocity than um you know than than kind of the command which i kind of saw and obviously he wasn't erratic in the sense of um walking batters but you could tell that he was just leaving everything up and over the dish um and that really did haunt him um before we get into the latest news regarding max scherzer how worried are you about him um or do you think that this is just a little bit of a stretch i mean again it, it is concerning considering the fact that i'm comparing his start from last year to this year um last year he started off like a beast a cy young award candidate um and then he gets hurt at home this year you know can't even get past the fourth inning against a, one of the worst offenses in baseball like you mentioned um again when you're throwing when you're throwing pitches right down the middle, you're gonna give up eight hits and six earned runs and less than four innings. I'm not concerned about the velocity so much. I'm more concerned about his age. I think it's really catching up to him. I think it is gonna play a factor. Yeah. This year. And another big concern is not working ahead at all. Even that one start against the Padres where he did good, he only lasted five innings. He was running full counts to every other batter. 
Um, you know, if you're hurt, you're hurt. Go on the IL, get yourself right. Because if we are still around, we could use you down in the long run. Um, again, this, this also just brings me back to when he was with the Dodgers and he had quote unquote dead arm. Um, again, I don't know, Max, we got to figure it out with you, man. Um, but if it's, if it's an age thing, then, you know, that's going to happen. You know, you're almost 40 years old, but at the end of the day, you're making a lot of money. If you're hurt, go on the IL, get yourself right. Maybe have you back July, August. So, and hopefully we're still in it. Hopefully we're still in it. Can you believe we're, we're, we're saying that? No, 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 no. We, we can't be one of those overreacting podcasts here. <laughs> uh, no, no, but, but listen, no, I, I do agree with you. I think just catching up to him, he is 38. He'll, he'll be 39 in July. Um, I think that he could still be a dominant presence because he is very, very smart and he knows how, and he will hopefully adjust um, to, you know, the, the lack there of his, you know, whatever he's missing as he's getting older. Right. With that being said, I also do think the pitch clock, which we thought would be working to his advantage uh, big time in spring training. I do yeah. think that's also affecting him as well. And I also think it affected Carrasco. I think it's affecting some of the older pitchers because they have to work much quicker um, and they're still expected to throw, you know, around that hundred pitch mark. Um, right. No excuse here, but I think that's just something to note, but it is concerning when literally his best start Aside from San Diego, which you mentioned, he only went five innings um, and he still walked three batters was the game that you and I were at in Miami on yeah, opening, opening day, day yeah. you know, where he went six innings. And that's the most he's gone so far. And as you said, if he is injured, um, you know, go on the IL. And that brings us to New York Post Mike Puma mentioned that. Um, you know, he had a chat with Max Scherzer and the quote was, I'm doing everything I can to get through this without having it linger the rest of the season. Um, you know, just don't break. He's trying to do. Uh, that's great. Uh, I'm trying like hell not to go on the IL. I'm fighting through this and doing everything I can. But this is the big leagues and no one cares if you're hurt. You've got to go out there and perform. So I get it. Do you think he should go on the IL? Obviously, our options are thin, but do you think that would be best for him and, and the club in general, or do you want to see how he how he fares tonight? I think I think we see how he fares tonight, and if he fails to go another four or five innings, you know, and the velo is down, then you might have to reevaluate. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I kind of agree there. Listen, he's only thrown twenty two and and two thirds of an inning, you know, this season through five starts. Granted, one of them he got ejected in for some BS nonsense, but um. You know, I definitely think that it's unfortunately uh, a cause to a cause for concern. But again, if he can be again, if he's healthy and even if age is a factor and it's catching up to him, if he can be 80 percent of what Max Scherzer normally is or of a dominant Max Scherzer, mm -hmm. you know, then then, you know, I think I think things would be OK. So, Rob, with Verlander returning, making his second start tomorrow uh Scherzer trying like hell not to go on the IL and pitching tonight making his sixth start Kodai Sanga four and one but still adjusting to the big league still walking a ton of guys McGill Peterson uh Luke Casey all have been shaky I just want to ask you who's the starter that at this point right now that you are most concerned with um not just how they're performing right now but kind of like as you we continue on in the season I mean, again, I hate to say it, it's Max Scherzer, you know, it's it, this, and I'm just looking ahead, you know, a guy who has a opt-out clause, you know, if he has a bad season, I could see him opting in, um, you know, making that money. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's, if it's not one thing, it's another, he can't, you know, if he doesn't go five, six, seven innings, like he, he usually does, he gets taken, he gets beat up, you know what I mean? And I think, I think that's just concerning that what he said to Mike Puma, it's like, he's trying like hell not to be, get on the IL. It's like, but. You know, it's not like we're going to ask you if you want to be on the I.L. Or if, or if you go on the I.L. But, again, it's just very concerning, especially for a guy who, you know, did did Max Scherzer things last year, um, especially with the absence of Jacob DeGrom. Um, and, you know, just just honestly, like, not having him and putting more load on Justin Verlander and the, and the pitching rotation, um, it's it just doesn't seem – like a recipe for success. So my biggest concern is Max Scherzer. Yeah, I would unfortunately have to agree with you. And I think that, you know, come our next session next week, 
our tones may, you know, we have may have another answer after we see what happens tonight. Um, but it has to be Max Scherzer. I mean, you know, he's not only allowing hard hit balls, but he's allowing guys to hit dingers off him. He's walking batters. He's uncharacteristically, as you mentioned earlier, falling behind batters left and right. He's still getting hitters to swing and miss. Um, and he's still getting good, you know, uh, you know, uh, fastball spin, and he's still amongst, you know, you know, the middle of the pack when it comes to whiff percentage. But aside from that, his fastball velocity has dipped a bit. And as I said, I'm not as worried about that. I'm as worried about him adjusting to maybe his new set of skills, um, Mm -hmm. and how he can turn himself and, and, you know, kind of make himself last a little bit longer. Uh, with that being said though, if this injury really is bogging him down, then perhaps we see what happens tonight. Um, and then maybe he hits the shelves and comes back in a couple months and, and really kind of, you know, fires up again. What aspect of the starting rotation, everybody who's made the starts from Jose Budo to Justin Verlander, and from all the stats and all the rankings that I gave you earlier that we mentioned where the Mets currently sit within the major leagues, what aspect of the starting rotation is most concerning to you? Is it the home runs? Is it the is it the walks? Is it the? I mean, again, as a starter, you look especially nowadays. You're looking to go for quality starts. So again, I'm my my biggest concern and of you know or my all right. Aside aside from that, aside yeah. from that, I should have prefaced. I should have prefaced. I mean, again, two sixty opposing average is concerning. It's not terrible, but you know, top twenty, like we're in the bottom twenty. So. You know, that's pretty bad. I mean, only 8.1 strikeouts through nine. That's also concerning. I mean, as pitching, you got to leave the ball in the ballpark. 36 home runs is third or second worst in the league. That's that's a lot, especially for starters that are expected to go five, six, seven innings. You know, keep the ball in the damn ball, ballpark. Trust your defense. Stop walking guys. When you walk guys, they're like my freaking JV baseball team. When you walk guys, sh- terrible shit's going to happen. You walk yep. two, three guys in an inning and someone hits a home run, you're already down three. Yep. So keep the ball in the damn ballpark. Trust your defense. Keep it low. Brandon Nimmo is a gold glove center fielder. You got Lindor at short. You got McNeil out wherever the hell he's playing. Your defense is going to pick you up. Keep the ball in the damn ballpark. Yes, sir. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> I, I, I think the home runs are definitely concerning being the second worst in the, in the majors. But the whip to me is something that's massive. A collective 151 uh, whip. So not only are they walking batters, but they are giving up hits. Um, they are constantly having guys on base, literally from the beginning of the innings. Um, and and that's what's concerning to me. Even a guy like Kodai Senga, who's 4-1, and one, right? And who has pitched as well as he can in his adjustment to the major leagues. He's still walking a ton of batters and is in the lower percentiles there um, when it comes to walking batters per nine innings as well. Um, you can't let... You just can't give batters free passes there. Aside from obviously, you need to go more than five innings, um, unless our bullpen's going to be dead by uh, the end of May. Um, you know, we can't be walking guys. That's bottom line. This reminds me of uh, 2018, when when we couldn't go past four or five innings with our starting rotation: Matt, Syndergaard, Harvey, the ground, yeah. yeah, Wheeler, yeah. You know, and that was and that was fresh off a hire of Mickey Calloway, who's like a pitching guru, and then Dave Island, who won a World Series with the Royals in yeah. 2015. You know, it's just it just spells 2018 all over again. Yeah, I mean, listen, when it when you look at you know the the Mets pitching, when you see that, <laughs> I can't even believe this. When you see that for WAR thus far, when you see that uh, there's only one starter. Um, within the top, uh, what is it? Within the top six pitchers, you only see one starter in the top six for WAR amongst Mets pitchers. Um, that's a concern, and that only guy is Kodai Sanga, and he's only posted 0.1 WAR thus far. Um, with the starters failing to go uh, five or more innings, obviously the bullpen is being taxed, and um, you know all these guys are going to end up with Pedro Feliciano type years, appearing in seventy plus games. Um, how will it impact them down the road? Um, obviously they have dealt with a bunch of injuries and they don't have many arms eligible, um, down in the minors aside from those that they just called down like a Buto, a, a Curtis, 
Um, but how do you think that this is going to impact them down the road? And obviously, if the starters don't get it together, um, how are the Mets going to be able to patch this up? I mean, again, you said it best. You can't have your bullpen guys throwing, you know, appearing in 70 plus games like Pedro Feliciano. I mean, some of them you can, some of them you can't. Um, we're dropping like flies in the bullpen. But again, if this continues, Billy Epler is going to have to do his job and keep picking up, you know, guys like Dom Leon. And, and you know, I, I saw Jake Diekman got DFA'd. I mean, you got to keep looking out in the market. Um, again, if starting pitching doesn't get better, you got you to gotta look at the trade market. I mean, we don't really have anything to work with unless you really trust your young guys to come up and, and you think they can impact at the big league level. Which we but, don't uh, have. Again, which we don't have. Exactly. So, you know, the trade market is calling, I think. I mean, I don't think – did Mad Bumgarner get picked up yet or no? No. So, no. I don't really know what we're waiting for, especially if Scherzer hits the IL. I feel again. like Mad Bum – I feel like Mad Bum um, may be calling – may may hang him up. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I could see that as well. But, again, you know, Billy Upper's got to do his due diligence and, you know, it's, 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 it is concerning. I feel bad because, you know, we do have some good bullpen arms, you know, but – can't can't win if they're not around, especially if they're pitching a lot of games already and we're not even two months into the season. So, yeah, yeah. Listen, they're being overused, right? Um, the guys that we're really seeing production from is a David Robertson, a Drew Smith, um, and an Adam Adovino. Adovino's been a little shaky as of recently, but those have been the three main guys. Um, we've also seen Jeff Brigham come up um, and look good. Um, you know, posting a 360 ERA despite a 475 FIP, um, but has been good through nine games. Um, I just think that, as you mentioned, this all comes back to the starting pitching. We need to get healthy. We need to add whoever. And and that's exactly kind of the point that I was making earlier about we need to get anybody qualified that can give us five innings. If Mad Bum is willing to come to New York, bring him in. I don't care if he sucked in Arizona. Maybe... Maybe him working alongside Verlander and Scherzer, you know, being with two other, you know, future Hall of Famers will will spark him up, recognizing that this club actually has a chance to win and he can get his fourth ring. I don't know if that's what motivates him or I don't know if it's his ranch in Arizona and he just wants to go home. I have no idea. But any other any other arm that can throw five innings, I was going to say, call Matt Harvey before he, you know, re- retired. And, you know, we'll we'll touch upon that. Uh, that's a sad thing. Uh, but um but yeah, but I mean, overall, right now, I mean, the Mets don't have many options, but who do you think is the biggest liability? Because uh, to me, I'm really starting to get like the shakes when um, when Tommy Hunter comes in. Um, <laughs> it's and, and I love Tommy Hunter as an individual. He's somebody that's really, really scaring me, um, considering he's been used in some high leverage situations for some reason granted we don't have many options but i don't know who who who's the biggest liability to you i mean a lot a bunch of them are but i mean listen i, I don't think he's a big liability but something to be concerned about a guy like adam Adovino, his last seven games he's pitched to a 5.14 era with a whip at 1.14 four own runs five hits and over seven innings he does have three saves in those seven innings but at the same time he's walked three to four guys um for a guy that had an era around two last year, and now he's almost he doubled that this year in 13 games is uh, very concerning, considering that Adovino was a big priority in the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I and I agree. Adam Adovino is a concern. Hopefully it's just a little blimp on the radar, um, and he can kind of get back to you know what he was doing before he kind of went down this route. Um, but I want to talk to you about something that you just said. Adam Adovino... Um, and having three saves within that seven-game period, um, but posting a 5.91 ERA. I brought this up left and right. I brought it up when I was by myself last week, and I brought it up when I was with you in episode four. Buckshaw Walters' bullpen management is bothering me. Um, even the one win that the Mets have collected in their last X amount of games, the one game that they salvaged the the, the series opener against the Rockies, Adam Adovino closed the game. Again, I don't want to hear this best hitter bullshit, but what what are what are your thoughts there? I uh, and we've seen it multiple times now. Granted, I, I know that Buck has limited options to work with, but something like that, like that's what I'm kind of referring to. No, no, definitely. And and again, I'm not gonna give you that 
best three hitter bullshit because at the end of the day, the Rockies aren't a team you do that to. You know, you do that to the Dodgers. You do that to the Yankees. You do that to, you know, teams like the Braves. But again, the fact that David Robertson hasn't been assigned as the full-time closer is beyond me. Um, guy has in 13 games is un- ERA under one, um, 18 strikeouts. His whip is under one in 14 innings. Um, again, he's five strikeouts away from a thousand, but you know, fun fact, but again, there we go. David Robertson, David Robertson has the experience. My biggest concern with Ottavino, especially again, and guys stole a lot of bases on Ottavino last year. So if he walks a guy in the ninth inning, especially with the bigger bases, the amount of throws you can make or in- disengagements, quote unquote, yeah, it's a it's maybe maybe that's a factor in why Adovino's ERA is so high, or yeah. why he's struggling the last seven games. But again, I I'm not gonna bring up that three hitter bullshit. I don't disagree with you at all. Bucks bullpen management has been a concern, um, and again, it's just something that needs to be addressed. So it's not just the starting pitching that has been a problem. Um, that's been their main problem, yes, but the offense hasn't necessarily done their part. They have done in several games, which they have lost Grant due to the starting rotation. But uh, right now uh, they have, they've posted as a club collectively 102 weighted runs created plus plus with uh, 15th in the major leagues. Uh, They are slugging at just a 383 clip, which is 22nd in the league. And obviously with that, they only have hit 36 home runs, which is 21st in the league Um, right now. I mean, all that's a concern, and people are talking about the way that Buck is uh, implementing his lineup um, day in and day out. Obviously, some of the kids haven't been called upon, and we'll talk about that. But um, right right now, given their situation and given who's on their roster, how would you construct your everyday order? Because some people are saying that you know, Nimmo should be taken out of the leadoff spot, even though he's getting on base at a high clip. And, and uh, you know, people think that Lindor should be moved down the lineup and Beatty got moved up to the fifth spot and this, that, and the third. And uh, what are your thoughts? How would you roll out the lineup there? And see Marte struggling a ton as well. So that kind of factors into it if they're batting him second. But yeah, again, I mean, you said, I mean, I'm going to go off what you just said just now. Um, Marte, he should be put down in the lineup, maybe sixth. Um, again, Brandon Nimmo, I think he's an ideal leadoff hitter, so I'm not moving him. He's hitting 310 with three home runs, 14 RBIs. He does still get on base at a high clip. Um, again, Lindor, I know he's struggling. He strikes out a lot, but he's your best hitter overall, aside from Jeff McNeil. And your best power hitter is Pete Alonzo. He stays at four. But I think McNeil needs to start hitting third. Um, I, I do think Lindor needs to start hitting second and, and you know, just kind of that table setter role um, instead of being that guy that, gets the table setters in. Um, Marte needs to be bumped down. I tweeted it the other day. Brett Beatty batting fifth gives me 2006 David Wright vibes. Brett Beatty needs to be moved up. He needs to be behind Pete Alonso. I love that. That buck kind of fooled around with that. And it ended up working out, I, I believe, um, even though we lost that game. But anyways, I do one through six. I see Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo, Beatty, Marte. Seven through eight, you could just mix it up, play with it. Depends who you start. Depends who... Is playing like obviously if Guillaume is at second, McNeil's in the outfield. I think Alvarez needs to be seventh. But again, if Kana or Fam or or Vogie are playing, then Alvarez stay in the nine hole. But again, we'll see. I I do like that one through six. I said, but again, the Mets were very effective last year. One through nine can't just be one through three, four through five, whatever. It's got to be a whole collective agreement, one through nine, and they got to make pitchers work. They're not making pitchers work as much as this year, this year, as much as last year. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, this is my lineup right now. You can tell me. Brendan Emma leading Lindor, second, McNeil, third, Alonzo, four, Beatty, five, Marte, six. Then you have Canna, seven. Mm-hmm. Or Tommy Pham, whoever's playing better. I'm down to literally play whoever's hitting. Uh, eight, I have Francisco Alvarez. Nine, I have Daniel Vogelbach. Daniel Vogelbach, uh, reason being, Daniel Vogelbach, <laughs> Daniel Vogelbach is getting on base at a 398. So if Alvarez ends up being the last hitter um, within an inning, Daniel Vogelbach is essentially a second leadoff hitter. Kind of like what yeah. uh, the Cubs did several years ago with Kyle Schwarber, right? When they when yeah, they had yeah. him lead off. Um I think that that would be a good option. Um, something else that I thought of, 
you could you could literally I know this is going to sound wild and people are going to criticize me, but you could literally, I'm writing it down as I'm doing it, but you could literally put Vogelbach as your leadoff hitter. Okay. Uh-huh. And you can have him lead off because I, I, I gotta be honest, dude, people are talking trash about Daniel Vogelbach. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. He's hitting 265, getting on base at a 398 clip, 412 uh, slugging, and he's got 135 weighted runs created plus. Okay. He's worth, uh, uh, 0.3 war, whereas other hitters are not even, you know, close to that for, for the Mets. So, um, anybody who gets on base, you know, me, I think that they should kind of be up there. Then I would bat Lindor second, a Nimmo third, a, um, Alonzo four, McNeil five, Beatty six. Um, and then I would go Marte or uh, Marte six, Beatty seven, Alvarez eight, and then Canna nine because Canna also can get on base at a high clip, and he can also then be another that's a, leadoff. That's an hitter. interesting lineup. No, yeah. no, that's interesting. I didn't, I don't, you know, I never even came I across you, Vogelbach leading off. I told you, bro. When you need, <laughs> a, when you need a uh, bench coach, you let me know. You let me know. I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm more of the. Uh, well, again, you know, the last fifteen games. Daniel Vogelbach's been hitting 308. There it is. 413 OBP. Well, there it is. And for some reason, he keeps getting hate. I know that he's a one-dimensional player, but people want to bring back Tim LaCastro. At least Daniel yeah. Vogelbach can get on base and hit yeah. home runs and drive in runs. Granted, he hasn't yeah, I mean, driven in. I mean, again, he's he's only hit two home runs, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he only had one season where he had over 20 home runs. So, exactly. you know, again, he, Again, he's known to get on base. He's known to work counts. So I'm, you know, maybe maybe Buck is listening and he takes your advice. But there it but is. Again, and I, I, interesting lineup. That's like a that's like when uh, we talked about uh, Jose Reyes batting third back in the day. Yeah, 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 dude. You listen, listen. You Nimo Nimo has improved his contact skills, and he's still getting on base at a crazy clip. And he also has a little bit more pop. Can is a gap to gap hitter. So why not? Yeah, why not? No, you no, know, that's true. Why he not? could be a three hitter in a lot of other orders. He could also lead off in a lot of other orders. Yeah. So you know, you could you could just chop it up, uh, yeah. chop it up, um, it however us. you want. Look at us yeah. making lineups. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we got uh, we got Buck and uh, Buck and Chavi over here. Um, <laughs> you're you're Eric Chavez, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just because you got the you got the managerial experience. Um, Do we have any confidence in Tomas Nito? I know that we mentioned earlier about the Mets signing Gary Sanchez. Um, I know. I know. Obviously, Listen, con- I love Nito's kid. under contract through next year. Yeah. Homegrown player. Do we have any confidence yeah, exactly. moving but, forward? But again, I lo- I love him. Um, but you mentioned it before too. His framing has gone down. Um, it's one thing if you hit 200, but he's hitting below the Mendoza line in 50 at bats. Only one RBI. He's. I mean, again, if he's not, if there's nobody on base, he's not. You know, he's gonna get out because when there's people on base, he usually bunts. Um, I don't know. He's he, he's just an automatic out to me. Oh my gosh! Um, and he's he's starting to catch less. I mean, Alvarez is starting to play better. He's not chasing as much. So maybe a signing like Gary Sanchez, like I said before, gets him gets Nitto going. Maybe gives him a little like a fire under his ass, telling him I want to stay. I got to play better. But but do I have confidence in him? Not really. Not right now. Yeah. Has he even yeah. thrown runners out? Not really. Not really. I don't. Go. I don't. I don't have much of his. Uh... I don't have much. Uh, and, and listen, I'm not opposed either. I didn't say this before. I'm not opposed either if the Mets are like, hey, Gary Sanchez is our right-handed, right-handed handed DH. And then you got Nitto and Alvarez doing all the catching. But I just don't see it. Yeah, they, they can't do that because yeah. Gary Sanchez then will be one-dimensional as well with exactly. Tomas Nito. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, Nito, Nito to me, I have no confidence in his bat. He's also getting on base at a 148 clip. You know me, average doesn't matter as much um, on base percentage does. That's what bothers me. His OPS is 266. That's literally a fucking batting average. So um, that is such a concern. Um, you know, and as you said before, his defense is taking a step back. He's not throwing out as many runners and his framing is in only in the 52nd percentile, whereas last year he was in within the top um, 10. So, um, you know, I think that's definitely a concern, but I do like the signing of Gary Sanchez this, despite his uh, defensive uh, incompetence um, behind home plate. Um, 
Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, another one of those catchers in Alvarez. Um, what are we seeing from them? They look great. Uh, Brett Beatty thus far, two home runs. Um, he's slashing 286, 344 on base percentage, 446 slugging percentage, 123 weighted runs created plus, and he's been worth uh, 0.4 war. Um, and then uh, Francisco Alvarez starting to come around. He's got one home run, um, but, uh, you know, is getting has hit. 220, 264 on base percentage, uh, 320 slugging percentage, um, but he has been worth um, 0.1 war as well, well, and he's been amongst the best in the major leagues when it comes to framing. He's been great defensively. Which is um, awesome. Yeah, awesome. which such a such a great development. What are what are you seeing from them? I expected Beatty to come up and hit. A regression was going to come when that he was, was you. Hitting. That was your call. Great call right there. Brett Beatty is told you is the guy is the guy I thought Alvarez was the guy but Brett Beatty is the guy he gives me again he gives me David Wright vibes where he's just gonna gel in and and stay with the team for years to come but listen I'm very it's very you know again as bad as we're playing as bad as the pitching has been it's really good to see these kids starting to play and starting to mesh and starting to get used to the major league level especially Francisco Alvarez a guy who started chasing everything who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat fucking comes in to an interview and says, hey, I'm starting to get used to this. It's just like any other level, this, that, and the third. It's good to see. He's starting to catch more. He's, he, like you said before, he's, his framing's one of the best, and that's awesome because his biggest concern was defense. But, you know, the fact that he's not chasing as much, he got his average up to 220. Um, the power is going to come, especially when you're not chasing as much. P- pitchers are going to start attacking you more, and that's where Alvarez is going to take advantage and maybe hit Couple, couple big home runs for us. My biggest thing is right here. The last seven games, he's hitting three thirteen. He's got two RBIs, two walks, only struck out, tw- only struck out twice, and he's got five hits along along those sixteen at bats. Um, again, and he's hitting four thirty eight slugging percentage with a three eighty nine OBP. That's awesome, man. I mean, I love the kid. He's only twenty one years old. I mean, that's why that's why we stress a lot that Maurizio and Vientos need to join the squad and they need to join these kids and the kids need to play. Expand expand that even further. If you go to his last 15 games, yeah, he's got a 256 average, but he's got a 310 on base percentage, right? So if, especially out of what we've seen offensively from our catchers over the last few few years, that's a big that that that's a big upgrade. And you know the exactly. powers, and you know the power's going to come. He just missed a he nearly missed a home run the other day um, that went off the top of the wall over at City. So um, you know that's definitely something that um, is it's. It's really nice to to see, and as you said, especially when we're playing poorly, um, definitely is a silver lining to see. Uh, Lastly, the last note on the offense, Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos keep raking. They both have OPSs 900 and above. They're both hitting for power. They're both hitting, um, you know, extra base hits. Uh, They're both hitting, uh, you know, just just a ton in the minors, right? Um, It is time to call upon them, um, whether... You know, when that occurs, um, I, I don't exactly know. I think Ronnie Mauricio may be closer given the fact that they've moved him over to second base and they've also started dabbling with him in the outfield um, and considering Vientos might be a one-dimensional player. But um, you agree, you said it before, you think it's time for them to come. Um, who would be, who do you think is first out of Mauricio and Vientos and who do you think the roster casualty will, would be there? Um, again, you know, I think, I think Maurizio should be the the first call up. That's just me personally, because we're not getting enough production from guys like Escobar and Guillaume. Unfortunately, uh, Guillaume would be my casualty because he has another option left. And on top of that, Escobar is a good veteran clubhouse presence. I still like him around the guys, especially the young guys. So that's just another, you know, I guess, leadership task for Escobar to kind of guide a Maurizio, like he's guiding a Brett Beatty. Um, you know, you mentioned Vientos before. Again, I, I I think both men should be called up at the end of the day. But again, Maurizio, like you said, he's more. Um, you could dab, dip and dabble with him at second, third, outfield. Um, but Mark Vientos, I mean, you don't you didn't have his stats, but again, he's in three forty, with ten home runs and eleven twenty OPS. So, again, that's a right-handed bat that we would like to have also in on the major league roster. Yeah. Yeah, um, I do agree with you. Um, first off, obviously, crazy numbers there in Vientos and a right-handed bat that we could use. With that being said, while he has received some playing time in the outfield, um, he really is either a first baseman or a third baseman if he's playing defensively. I Obviously, he's blocked there, um, so he really is that another one-dimensional type player. 
I think Mauricio yeah. is the guy. Um, I do have his numbers up now. Uh, Mauricio is hitting 333 with a 370 on base percentage. His OPS is 951. He's got six home runs. He's got six stolen bases. He's driven 18 runs. I mean, he, he's a switch he, hitter. He's a switch hitter. He's a difference maker, man. He's an absolute difference yeah. maker. You know, I was saying earlier, listen, you, I agree with you. Unfortunately, Guillaume, you use that final option. You send him down. Um, you roll with Mauricio at second base with um, McNeil in left. And then in certain days, then you can go, you can either play Mauricio at, a, a, at you know, DH. Um, he's also dabbling in the outfield. I'm not sure if Buck wants to go ahead and do that, but if he can play a little bit of left field as well, um, yeah. that would open the doors there. Um, so I agree with you, Mauricio. And I heard a rumbling earlier today that he, it could be soon. What were, what were you going to say there? Oh, no, no, no. I was just, I was just going to go off what you said. Like, I do like the fact that if Mauricio does get called up, I like him at second, move McNeil in the outfield, whether it's in left or right. I personally, me, I would move McNeil to right and Marte to left. Um, just because Marte's been struggling a little bit in right yeah. field. You could also DH Marte and give Canna fam some platoon time in terms of left field. True. Um, but again, I just think it gives the Mets more versatility and more options to just dip and dabble with that lineup, try to try to figure out the right lineup to score us runs, you know? So again, right. I'm excited. Again, it's, I, I understand we're one game under, but at the same time, I'm excited for these kids and I'm excited to see what these guys can do regardless of the outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. And I'm also just going to put you on the spot here. I'm not even going to answer my own question that I'm going to ask you, let's say, <laughs> but let's say Mauricio gets called up. Guillermo gets sent down. Okay. Um, it's time for Vientos to be called up. Obviously, the Mets would have options then to DFA uh, Escobar or a uh, or a fam. I mean, he's only under contract for a year. Potentially a Canna. I don't. I don't know. Um, what would be your thinking there? Do you have any thought process behind that? Uh, I don't, but I do remember Buck saying he could fuck with a four man rotation. So maybe they get rid of an arm. But uh, no, nah, I'm just a kidding. We can't get yeah. rid of him. Yeah, what you know, a four nah, man I'm, I'm rotation. Playing, playing. We but got. No, I don't know. I mean, again, unfortunately, <laughs> it would have to be a guy like Escobar. I mean, because I I do think Kana still brings value to the team. I think I also do think Tommy Pham is good enough to stay because of how he hits lefties, how his, you know, how he's playing and has established that role against a left-handed pitcher. But it's definitely that's that's the worst part about being a manager and just just professional sports in general you got to make a tough decision eventually so you know it's a business so before we finish up here episode six season two of the cup of mets podcast uh we just want to talk about something briefly four days ago former new york mets uh Ace, the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey, announced his retirement. He bid adieu from the uh, game of baseball. His final uh, tip of the cap was, uh, you know, with Team Italy um, in the World Baseball Classic, and he said goodbye. Um, he uh, uh, specifically thanked the New York Met fans um, in his uh, retirement post. I just want to ask you, obviously, you know, he he came up and he came up in 2012 and um, 2013 was such a such an electric season. It was I've never seen anything remotely close to that in my life um, in terms of electricity. Obviously, the Jacob Degrom seasons during his Cy Young campaigns were unbelievable, yeah. but the difference was was that the Mets were not a great team, but they were emerging. And this kid that is essentially home that is homegrown and he's from Connecticut. Um, you know, comes out and, and pitches lights out. Um, you know, for me, my, my favorite memory, um, for me was him going out, um, and him dominating in the, um, clinching game in 2015. Um, nice. that was my favorite memory of format Harvey. Um, he pitched an absolute gem and the Mets really backed them up. They, they scored a ton of runs when they clinched in Cincinnati, when they won the NL East. Um, and it was really, really nice to see Matt Harvey walk off the mound. There were a contingent of Met fans there that were all going yeah. crazy for him. And it really epitomizes epitomized, you know, he had, um, you know, now, now New York met Justin Verlander. I think Justin Verlander and Matt Harvey, uh, 
Matt Harvey's 2015 season was one of the greatest, along with Verlander's 2022, the greatest seasons coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, yeah. And that start really just epitomized the end thing for me. Um, any words for uh, the Dark Knight? <laughs> well, well, just to go off of what you said, I think I think the best part about your favorite memory is that you know people were at the time were questioning his competitiveness, were questioning if he wanted to pitch for the Mets were question, and especially, you know, that whole Scott Boris innings limit thing and that start in general, that clinching start, that clinching game, just kind of, he threw that, all that nonsense out the window. He went over his pitch limit. He went over his innings limit. And the best part in my, what I, what I remember was when Terry Collins took him out, you just see him smiling with his fat lip in smiling saying, yeah, I got you. We got this. We got this. And Terry just patting his ass and being like, yo, I'm proud of you. Shit like that. You know, moments like that you always remember as a Met fan, but um, my favorite, one of my favorite memories, um, you know, aside from him making an all-star game start in 2013 at city field um, was in 2013, Matt Harvey versus Steven Strasburg city field, April or April, May, I want to say, April. I, I forgot the month exactly, but it was three and three and Matt Harvey versus three, you know, Steven Strasburg up-and-coming Mets versus already established up-and-coming Washington Nationals. Um, their best versus our best, and Matt Harvey prevailed. And the chance, Harvey's better. It was Dude, wild. Electric atmosphere for a team that didn't even make the playoffs. Guys like Marlon Byrd on the roster. Yeah, John um, Buck. You know, Jordani Valdespin. No, and and we were at that game, too. You know, we had great seats. We were behind the third-base dugout. Yeah, And just, was- to, just to feel that atmosphere, um, that 06, 07, 08 atmosphere, in 2013 uh was which we hadn't in so long yeah 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 i know and it's one of my favorite moments it was kind of like and even john buck or excuse me joe buck said it best when harvey was starting the all-star game it's it's one of many bright spots that the mets are looking forward to in these next coming years and and he was right because two years later we made the world series so you know congrats to matt harvey dark knight we love you um you know we wish we could have you still on on the team or in the organization but but again you know nothing but the best and and if you're looking to coach let me know (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean listen uh cheers to matt harvey um yes, sir. Yes, sir. obviously obviously his uh career didn't pan out the way that many thought it would um considering the start but when you're dealing with tommy john surgery and then dealing with the thoracic thoracic outlet syndrome um you know and then obviously some of the off the field issues um which again he had owned up to and he admitted that he had some problems so um you know nothing but the best to matt harvey and hopefully um within baseball at least hopefully maybe on the field he's finished but hopefully this isn't the last that we see of matt harvey Um, as we wrap up um episode six uh season two um you know the mets head to cincinnati tonight max scherzer takes the mound First, Luke Weaver, Justin Verlander gets the ball tomorrow against Hunter Green, and Kodai Sen gets the ball uh, in the finale against left-hander Nick Lodolo. Um, any thoughts on the series? Any final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, nah, just take it one game at a time. I know, again, it's it's we're not hitting panic right now, but, again, we just got to take it one game at a time. Let's try to figure it out as a team, as an organization, as a fan base, and hopefully it works out because this summer is better be lit. Absolutely. And as we said earlier, listen – I'm at a four. Rob's on a, at a five on the panic scale. So everybody, <laughs> chill out, take your pills, you know, <laughs> relax, do what you got to do. Okay, don't worry. It's a long season. We're 35 games in. Um, but as Rob said, this summer's about to be lit, and um, the Mets are really just getting um, going. Hopefully, for Robert Venegas, I am Ian Bosnick. Thank you very much for joining, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.